On today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast, Joaquin Phoenix has got that new Napoleon movie coming out in November, but how good or bad should we expect that to do at the box office? Also, Blue Beetle, speaking of box office, its opening weekend box office projections have now doubled. But is it good enough? You remember at the end of that new Transformers movie when they hinted at a crossover with G.I. Joe? Is that actually going to happen? And also, according to some reports in major trades, some bundling may start happening with some of the major streaming services. That and a whole bunch more of the John Campbell Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet, the John Campbell Show podcast, coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Uh, joining me in studio today over here, we got Ray Ora. Boys Club, Boys Club. Jonathan Voico is here. What's up? Chris Carr is normally here on Tuesdays, but she had a prior engagement. She, she's not here today. Uh, she'll be back again on Thursday. Robert Meyer Burnett's going to be in uh, doing the show with us tomorrow. So it's the three of us in here. And of course, most importantly, you guys joining us here today. And here's how today's program is going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those listed off topics I mentioned. And then in the last part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. For those of you listening to our podcast, we also have a YouTube channel that we put some videos up on every day. And over there, we have a wonderful group of supporters known as YouTube channel members. As a matter of fact, you can become a YouTube channel member. We take questions from YouTube channel members every day. Once in a while, we have these channel member-only town hall meetings. We have exclusive emojis you can use. We also have an ad-free version of the John Campia Show there. All sorts of good stuff, and we're going to be taking questions from those folks a little bit later. All right. With that all down, let's dive into it here, shall we? And we're going to start off with this. One of the most exciting previews. They did for us at CinemaCon this year. For those of you who may be new around here and you don't know what CinemaCon is, every year, uh, NATO, the National Association of Theater Owners, that's all the big movie theaters, they put on this convention every year called CinemaCon in Las Vegas. And then all the studios come to it and they put on these big presentations about all the movies they have coming out that year. They'll show some entire movies. They'll show like 10, 15 minute sequences from the movies. They have all the stars and all the directors come out to talk about it. It's a fabulous event. And at this past CinemaCon in April that we were at, one of the most exciting projects was Ridley Scott's new Napoleon starring Academy Award winner Joaquin Phoenix and currently can be seen in Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Vanessa Kirby. Uh, she's going to be in this as well. And the movie looks fantastic. Now, one of the more interesting things about it is, of course, it's directed by the great, iconic Ridley Scott. Now, Ridley Scott movies don't always blow it up at the box office, so that's the topic of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, guys, if you got a question for the podcast or for one of our standalone videos, you can go ahead and call in your question anytime 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And again, the question is about how well can we expect Napoleon to do? Check it out. 
Hello, Captain Crew. My name is Isaac. I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I'm here to ask you a question about Napoleon and his box office production. Now, last time we heard about Ridley Scott, uh, he hadn't done really well with the box office revenue, especially with House of Gucci and Hunter Mansion Effect, the last duel. So I was wondering, do you think that Napoleon is going to be a box office success, or do you think it's going to be break even, or do you think it's going to flop? So thank you, and have a nice day. All right, man. Thanks a lot for calling that in. And yeah, listen, they showed us this preview for Napoleon and it looked way better than I thought it would. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's Ridley Scott. It's Joaquin Phoenix. I didn't expect it to be bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought, okay, well, this is going to be great period piece, Napoleon. Sure. But oh my God, they showed it. I, I had no clue the tension that would feel like Ray, you were there. You saw that that scene that they showed it, it's it's you see a glimpse of it in the trailer, but they showed us like the full 10 minute sequence of this battle going on over a frozen river and stuff like that. And just, you could hear a pin drop in that theater when they showed it to us. Cause you could like, everybody was sitting on pins and needles. Like I thought I was going to throw up. I was like, Oh my God. Like, it's, <laughs> Oh, it, it was, was tense. Um, like uh, the way they shot it was, when they fell into the water and the blood would come out, the 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 it was so white, like because of the snow. Yeah, and like you know the vibe. It was the, a very cool color palette. Yeah, yeah. Used. So yeah. the saturation was wasn't really high, but then when they started falling into the water Ooh. and you see the blood streams, even out of the horses, which made me kind of sad, but you know it happens. Um, yeah, it was it was a great visual. It was it was gross. It was traumatizing. But I, if that movie does that the whole time i might need a popcorn. yeah well i have i don't think it'll do that the whole time well but yeah. i mean the trailer came out then too and it's like it also looks like so it looks it's gonna have great action it's gonna have great tension the drama of it looked great i i just love the look of this thing but you raise a really good question ridley scott is considered one of the greats right he will be considered one of the all-time greats that said he hasn't exactly, with his projects, been tearing it up at the box office. For example, you mentioned House of Gucci, which I liked. I liked that movie. But it did not exactly do bonkers business at the box office. The Last Duel with Matt Damon, uh, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck. Uh, I liked it. It was a good movie. I didn't think it was one of his better ones. But it was a good movie but did not do well at the box office. All the money in the world, which had a lot of drama surrounding it for various reasons, didn't do great at the box office. Alien Covenant, I didn't think was all that terrific of a movie, to be honest with you, and it didn't exactly blow up the box office. Then you're going all the way back to 2015 for The Martian. Now, that, yeah. was, a, that was a special movie. Yeah, Martian was an absolutely special movie. So how will this do? That, that's, that's a really good question. Now, you got Joaquin Phoenix coming off his Academy Award win. There's going to be a lot of hype surrounding him, obviously, because we got Joker 2 coming out next year that he's doing with Lady Gaga, or as Clayface would say, Lady Gaga! <laughs> um, coming up in uh, next year. Only those who watch Harley Quinn will understand that. But... So how much will this movie make? It's always tough with period pieces. But I have a feeling watching it, when I was watching the preview and clips, I think this can do pretty well. Now, the early projections that I've been able to find are saying that this movie, 
when it's all said and done, is probably going to rake around the half a billion dollar mark, probably pulling about $500 million. That would be pretty good if it can do that. But I mean, if you got a movie with Joaquin Phoenix, this kind of epic, if the word of mouth, it's all going to be, of course, about word of mouth. Are the reviews good? Are the reviews bad? Do the general audiences like it or not? But if it can come in strong, I can see it getting to that 500, maybe even like into the 600, 650 million dollar range, which would be, I mean, a pretty good triumph for somebody like Ridley Scott with the streak he's had for the last seven or eight years. So, I, I mean, I don't know, Jonathan, like you've seen the the previews and the trailers for this thing. Are you interested in, in Napoleon at all? Like I mean, where, I, where I, does it rank for you on your scale of hype? Uh, I, I would put it just because I happen to be a history buff. So I kind of put this along with Oppenheimer. Now I like Nolan films more. So Oppenheimer was a step above because it wasn't just historical. It was also a Nolan epic, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I look back at Ridley's like historical epic of like gladiator and that was a that oh, was that huge. Was, yeah, one of the greats ever. So I'm looking forward to this. I I, I like Joaquin's work, uh, and I'm a history buff, like I said, so mm. this is high on my list for the end of the year. Ray, on the scale of Meg 2 to Mutant Mayhem, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where in your hype <laughs> scale would you say a Napoleon is for somebody like you right now? Just because of the character itself, I love the actor, but uh -huh. the character itself is not... So a character that I'm really interested in, you know, yeah. like that's really interesting to me, but I'm going to end up watching it. It's probably in the middle, maybe a little bit below the middle, so just not like for right now. like one of your most anticipated movies. Yeah, but like I'm, I'm looking up the release calendar in November. It's supposed to open up November 22nd or yeah. 23rd. So it's going up against Wish and the week. Oh, be the and animated the, film. Yeah, and the week before Hunger Games, Trolls, and that next goal wins. So that's coming out the week. <laughs> that before. could be fun. Um, so you know, like, you know, with that, it opening against wish, that's interesting. Cause that's good counter programming. Right, they, that, I wonder if you, I mean, it's not going to be to the degree of Barbenheimer, but I mean, you got a family Disney animated film with wish, which we saw a little preview for at CinemaCon. It looked pretty yeah, interesting. Pretty good. And a big historical epic like Napoleon, maybe Napoleon. <laughs> Napoleonish. I don't know what you'd call that. But. My best example is this. I never wanted, like, in Gladiator never interests me, right? And it took people to, like, just keep saying, you got to watch this, watch it. And then finally it played one. They played it. They were watching it. And then I passed by and I sat down for a second and I, it turned out to be one of the best movies I've ever seen. So let's hope Napoleon um, does the same thing where I may have no interest at first. But if I actually watch it, it'll actually surprise me. Now, it's it's going to be, look, you got Ridley Scott, which made some of the greatest movies ever, but he's also made some stinkers. You got Joaquin Phoenix, who is always at the very minimum in very, he chooses to be in very interesting films. So we will see how this goes. All right, that down, guys. Let's move on to this. Coming out in like nine days, it's no longer far off. I mean, it's it's right on us. In nine days, Blue Beetle, the newest installment of the DCEU, one of the final two, the second last DCEU movie to ever come out, is uh, coming out in nine days. And they gave an early box office opening weekend projection for it the other week, and it was terrible, miserable. It was $17 million that they were projecting for Blue Beetle to make in its opening weekend box office. Well, 
with all the enthusiasm going on around the box office these days with Oppenheimer, <coughs> with Barbie, it seems like people are really enjoying going to the movies again and having a good time when they're going. And so they've adjusted the opening weekend box office projection, according to this report, of Blue Beetle from 17 million all the way up to 30 million U.S., which represents nearly doubling what its original opening weekend projection was. That's fantastic. Nearly doubling. That's great. Okay. Yeah. But it's still 30, right? It's like working for $3 an hour and then finding out you're getting a raise to $6 an hour. That's awesome. This is doubling your salary, but it's still only $6 an hour. And when we look at comparables, if you can compare to what did other movies make, what did other comic book movies make recently in relation to their opening weekend? And we start getting numbers like this. So let's look at The Flash. The Flash opened to a $55 million opening weekend. That's nearly double what they're projecting Blue Beetle will. And it only managed to go on to make $268 million. And what many consider to be the biggest financial flop in the history of big comic book movies coming out of Hollywood. When you look at Black Adam, made 67 down there at the bottom, making $67 million on its opening weekend, more than double what they're projecting for Blue Beetle, it only managed to go on to make $393 million. Now, yes, you, you get others' recent comic book movies, like Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, that opened with $120 million, went on to make nearly $700 million. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 opened to just about $120 million, went on to make almost $850 million. That's great. But then we look at Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which opened with exactly what Blue Beetle is now projected to open with, $30 million. We're not saying Blue Beetle will follow the exact same trajectory as Shazam 2 did, but it needs to be pointed out that Shazam 2 did open to $30 million like Blue Beetle's projected to, and it only went on to make $133 million. I, I honestly don't ever recall hearing one of the major comic book movies making less than that at the box office. But Look, um, Blue Beetle is supposedly has a $120 million budget. Right, which is the third lowest in the all of all the DC films. The lowest one being Birds of Prey for eighty-two million. The first Shazam, eighty-five million. So if it's good, there's a good chance. It, I, I'm hoping if it's good, it will at least be profitable. The well, here's the thing: million is not a lot of no. You know, but for, you remember, you got to add onto that hundred twenty million, right? You're adding that onto that hundred twenty million, probably about a fifty million dollar marketing budget. Yeah, they put it right. Like one seventy. They also. And then you got your thirty-three cut. Then you got your one-third cut. So roughly, at bare minimum, being generous, we're looking at Blue Beetle probably needing to make somewhere around two hundred and seventy to two hundred ninety million dollars. Just to break even, if we bring up this chart again, that means it's going to need to make minimum at least as much, if not more, than The Flash did. Mm -hmm. And it's projected to open to almost half of what Flash opened with. So now it's going to be all about word of mouth, right? It opens up with a very concerning $30 million. Then it's going to be about word of mouth. Do people come out of that theater telling everybody else that they got to go see it too? Will they go back to watch it two or three times? Will the word start spreading? And look, I've been saying for a long time, 
I am personally quite interested in watching this movie. It's got a really neat story behind it. I think the trailers have been interesting and cute. Uh, I, they haven't been the best trailers, but I've, they've gotten me on board, and I'm looking forward to watching this movie. But the second thing I've said about it is that this movie's going to flop. I, I just don't see you Look, we look at the, the last five, forget the last five, now the last six or seven DCEU movies, none of them have made over $400 million. Uh, a lot of them have tanked horribly. And just it seems like nobody is interested in going to see a DCEU movie anymore, which is why James Gunn has to reboot this thing. And it doesn't help that the all respect to the lead actor, he's not there yet to be like a Sholo, big, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I know a lot of people watch Cobra Kai, love him, but he's yeah. just not there as in the mainstream. If you had, you know, made, so that that will hurt it too. Uh, unfortunately, um, you're you're right. I mean, you got Susan Sarandon in there, yeah, but, but like she's the front not man. the big. Yeah, you don't have that big front person. Now, the one thing it, you brought it up, the one thing this movie has going for it is that it's got one of the main stars of a really hot show with Cobra Kai, a show I don't personally like and I don't watch, but that's me. But a lot of people love this show. My mm -hmm. Anne loves it. My wife loves it. And let's not forget to mention the whole cast seems to be of like Latin or yep. Latino. Yep. So let's hope they come out and uh, support this film. Um, yeah. I, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not feeling it. I don't, yeah. I'm not feeling that they are like, I remember when I know we made this comparison before, but when Joe Coy, who is my favorite standup comedian in the world made his Easter Sunday movie. And, and if a lot of you don't remember that movie, don't feel bad. It made, about six, it made about $7 at the box <laughs> office and lasted in theaters about three weeks and so, it was gone. But, you know, Ann and I thought when we went to go see it, like Ann got me this Filipino shirt. She put on her Filipino flag jacket. We went down. To the, we, we expected the theater not to be full, but we expected to see a half full theater with a lot of Filipinos and all this kind of stuff. There was like 12 other people in the theater. And they just, the Filipino community didn't come out to support it. What? I, I don't know if we're going to get that with Blue Beetle. defend my Filipino community because right. you, you're you living with Ann. She's a different Am I living with her? She's you're different. right. I am living She's with her. She's different. You, I mean, you know that Filipino, but the most Filipinos, we're cheap as heck. <laughs> we, we will try to find a, 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 a bootleg copy and buy that and, and the whole family will watch it together. So I, I'm, I'm not lying here. I mean, movies these days, I don't see a typical Filipino family going, hey, let's go get $25 each a ticket and watch Easter. No, we're not doing that. It's so funny <laughs> because I was in the room, Anne and Ray were both in the room once, and we were watching Joe Coy, and he's telling this, this story about his mother, his Filipino mother, and how cheap she is. She goes, it would be at like a fast food restaurant, and she sent me back in to get extra napkins, <laughs> extra Joseph, get extra. <laughs> so, and then these two start like, Ann and Ray just start howling. I'm like, I mean, it's like looking at the hands like, she goes, that's so my mom. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like extra. Get extra. All right. Anyway, guys, listen, uh, we have a couple more big topics that we're going to cover here today. We're going to talk about that little t Transformers G.I. Joe crossover tease that they did at the end of Transformers Rise of the Beast. We're also going to discuss this whole thing that, Variety's talking about that we could be seeing some bundling now of some of the major streaming services, something I didn't think would ever happen. But before we get to that, we're going to take just a moment and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode, our friends at BetterHelp and HelloFresh. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, 
BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Think about it. The person you were five years ago is not the exact person that you are today. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And guys, striving for better mental health is something we should all aspire to. I've talked about this before, but when somebody goes to the gym, we applaud them for getting out there to improve their physical health. Well, it's about time that we start looking at mental health the same way, not just by encouraging the people around us to look into therapy, but by also taking the step to take care of our own mental health as well. So listen, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Campia today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Campia. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Fall is right around the corner and HelloFresh is here to help you plan for the busy season ahead with tasty dishes delivered to your door. Simply choose your recipes and pick your delivery date, then lay back and enjoy the last days of summer knowing that dinner is covered. Feel like you would love a wholesome homemade meal, but there's just not enough time? Well, with HelloFresh, all you need is 15 minutes and you'll be enjoying a tasty, satisfying meal made in your own kitchen. Just look for their quick and easy dinner options, plus quick breakfasts and lunches too. My wife Anne and I are both working professionals and dinner time is always stressful and time consuming. And that's one of the main reasons we absolutely love HelloFresh and we always end up with a great dinner. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Campia and use the code 50 Campia for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50Campia and use the code 50Campia. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to our friends at BetterHelp and HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into this, shall we? Transformers Rise of the Beasts came out. What I consider to be, and I've said this the whole time, a mistake to make that movie. (laughs) They should have made Bumblebee 2. But they made, and and I really don't think nearly as many people care about Beast Wars. uh, Because you have to get Transformers fans, and then even narrow it down more, people who are Transformers fans that are also fans of the Beast Wars iteration of that. I just thought it was a mistake. But you had Steve Cappell Jr. directing it, who directed Creed 2. And you know what? He did a pretty good job. I mean, it's not nearly as good as Bumblebee 2, directed by Travis Knight, but it's better than any of the Michael Bay movies. That's not saying a lot. Although I did like the first Transformers movie, but Transformers Rise of the Beast ended up being a fairly harmless, uh, enjoyable time at the movies, right? Mm -hmm. Not one I rushed back out to watch again, but I liked it and I had a good time when I was watching (laughs) it, right? Cinemark. And we saw it at the Cinemark Theater, which I'll was a great it again experience. if it's Cinemark. If it's at Cinemark, <laughs> we'll go there again, my friends. But, and now this is a minor spoiler, but, you know, my rule of thumb for spoilers is if a movie finishes a theatrical run and has been out on streaming and available on digital for a little while, 
you've had your chance to watch it. So at the very end of the movie, uh, kind of a little added on bonus scene. I can't remember if it was a mid credit scene or not. They do this little tease where, you know, the, the hero of the movie is at what he thinks is a job interview, but he finds out it's actually G.I. Joe that's trying to recruit him. And he gets handed this card, and that's, that's the image there. brings it up, G.I. Joe. <laughs> and, of course, everybody in the theater got a big kick out of that, yeah. right? Because you see G.I. Joe in there. You know, I've, I had comics when I was a kid of the G.I. Joe Transformers crossovers. They're both Hasbro properties. Mm -hmm. And so it seemed like they were promising that. Now, you'll have to look up the final box office sure, number for sure. Transformers Rise of the Beast, but I don't think it cracked 500 million. Oh, it's 430. I have it. It's 433. Okay. 433? Yeah. Yeah. So it made $433 million, which doesn't suggest to me they're rushing into production of another Transformers movie anytime soon. So that brings up the question, will they actually do it? And that happens to be the topic of another Mint Mobile hotline question we have today, asking specifically about that, like, how can you do a Transformers and G.I. Joe crossover? Check it out. Hey, John. Uh, this is Thad from uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi. Transformers Rise of the Beast. I finally saw it, and it was a pretty solid Transformers movie. But my issue with the movie is that they introduced a possible crossover with G.I. Joe. And I'm wondering why they did that when both franchises can barely make good movies. I mean, it's a hands-broke thing. I, I guess they're going to try to make money off of two of their biggest toys and franchises. But do you think that's going to work? I don't know. Thanks, and again, I would have not. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot for calling that in. Hey, look, can you even do this? The two biggest hurdles to me about doing a G.I. Joe Transformers crossover is this. Apparently, not a lot of people care about Transformers on the big screen anymore. And the second hurdle is, ain't nobody cared about G.I. Joe on the big screen in a long, long time. And I say that as somebody who passionately grew up playing with G.I. Joes and Transformers. I mean, I'll go see any Transformer movie anytime. You want to do another G.I. Joe movie? I suppose I would be interested in it. But the thing about creating these crossover movies is you want to take two things that people are already excited about, you cross them over, and it more than exponentially increases the excitement. The sum of the excitement is greater than the parts, than the, than the sum of the parts. So, I mean, you have to have that. So I'm asking the question, are people excited about Transformers right now? Because you just put out a pretty good Transformers movie and it barely was able to make more than Black Adam did at 433. And I can't remember what the... Dwayne Johnson G.I. Joe movie made, but it wasn't something that made Hasbro or the studios want to rush out and make another one right away. And I haven't heard anybody talk about G.I. Joe other than, you know, maybe Sepentor and a weather dominator in a, in a long time. So I don't think the problem that they have is we don't know how to make these movies good. I, the last couple of Transformers movies have been good, I think. Bumblebee, what do we get for Dwayne Johnson? Oh, no, no. Uh, that wasn't Rise of Cobra, right? No, no, no. I can't remember what the name of the Dwayne okay. Johnson one was. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Rise of Cobra, though, it made $302 million. What year did that come out? That came out in 2009. 
Was that the Dwayne Johnson one? And then there's the other one. No, Retaliation was it. Retaliation, yeah. That was the Dwayne Johnson million. one. How much? $375 million. So that one didn't make $400 million either. Uh, no. And then didn't they do like Snake Eyes and that flop too? Oh, yeah. Snake Eyes. Oh, 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 oh. Look at the box office. <laughs> that. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's Snake Eyes movie. Snake Eyes. That Snake Eyes movie. 40 million. <laughs> 40 million. <laughs> Opening 13 million. Barbie made more. Barbie made more. Third opening weekend. On its Monday noon screenings uh. than Snake Eyes. Listen, that Snake Eyes movie should have been awesome. You had a good cast. You had the guy from, the guy who played some. What's that? Henry Golding? Well, you know, you had Henry Golding in the lead, but you had, I'm forgetting the name of the guy from Warrior. Oh, um, oh, the one who played Storm Shadow. Yeah, the guy who played Storm Shadow, oh, who's okay. great, right? He's, oh, a a Andrew Koji? Thank you, yes, who is fantastic. So you had a solid cast. You had this great popular character. It should have been everything. That movie was so, it was such a miserable experience watching that movie. It was so unbelievably <laughs> bad. And they were trying to launch a new G.I. Joe franchise. They clearly were. But yeah, or, it was called Origins at first. Yeah. Yeah, now, something like now that. If you look it up, it's just Snake Eyes. Yeah. You know, you know, Pedro Pascal, he's ready for the next Origins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bring him back his Pentor. I it was so awful. And I totally forgot about that Snake Eyes movie. So you want you want to ask, does anybody care? <laughs> About a G.I. Joe transfer crop? No, nobody does. Uh, I, I'm going to have to argue against this, all right? Because, look. If You're you going to argue it's $40 million? I'm, I'm just saying, okay, don't get the big money actors. Get the actors who are decent that actually look the part of the G Joes. Stick with their looks like Mortal Kombat did, that reboot Mortal Kombat we just saw. Other than Cole, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, even Kano. He was great. I mean, I didn't even know who they were, like like actor-wise. Get some of those. Let everyone know. If it's Shipwreck, it's Shipwreck. You, no one confuses Shipwreck with anyone else. Give him the hat. Give him the parrot. Be corny. And then don't, no spend, one's gonna see that. don't spend a lot of money on the actors and just... Just give love to the characters. This At that time. point, make it animated. Give lo love to the characters. Yeah, the, you, what you're because describing you know what? is an animated movie. You're because, not describing a live action movie. Because Hasbro has been pumping out for some reason, and now I know why after Rise of the Beast. They've been uh, releasing special editions of these G.I. Joe slash Transformers figures. The last one I think they're releasing is uh, Megatron and some, uh, some someone. It's probably uh, Destro or something. Um but they, they might have some plans for this, but I'm not sure right now. I mean, they took a big loss from But here's the thing. You you do a G.I. Joe and you have Shipwreck. You got some big guy in a 1970s Broadway I, musical top with I his little white it. hat and Come a little pair. On. No one's going to go see that. Come on. Especially no one's going to see that. No one's yeah. going to go see. It's not going to make any money. People are just going to look at that but, and think but, that but looks my ridiculous. Point was, do you know how Travis Knight <laughs> went back to... Just like real simple with Bumblebee. That's why I think they should do with the, this franchise if they do it. Don't spend so much money on like the, the effects. Just make us love these characters. I mean, that's all I could say. I but mean, I love G.I. Joe. Transformers G.I. Joe crossover without effects. I mean, I mean, like like they've been spending like Michael Bay effects. You don't need all that. You just need the camaraderie between the two groups and then have a big war at the end. Fine. 
Let's blow it all on there. But you can't just dilute everything because it's it's just a crap show with G.I. Joe. Those past two movies, uh, even though The Rock was supposed to play Roadblock, he didn't talk like Roadblock. You know, it's like it, it was so far away from the G.I. Joe that I remembered that I do wish they would just go back to the source material on this one. Again, you do that. And I don't think you attract yeah, anybody. Know, in the movies. It would just I, be I, interesting for me to see. It would it would get me in the seat at least. Yeah, maybe there's me. a happy medium, you know, where they're not just just wearing, you know, you know, black clothing and, and tactical stuff. But there's some. Some identifier, but it's not over the top. Like it's going to be a Michael Bayish film again <laughs> if they do do it. I know I, it. I, I just don't see. Look, because the thing we go back to the box office results of Snake Eyes. The fact, how much did you say made opening 40. weekend? Forty million. Oh, no, no, opening, opening weekend. Oh, thirteen million. Thirteen million dollars opening weekend. Right. Uh, people had to see it to know it was terrible. Right. <laughs> Nobody cared to even go out on opening weekend to check it out. Nobody cared. I cared. I was excited for it. I thought the movie was going to be awesome. I I just don't see any way yeah. that any investor, any executive with half a brain will greenlight a live-action Transformers G.I. Joe crossover. Not right now at any rate. Yeah. Maybe in 10 years if 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 things if the landscape changes and a nostalgia rush starts coming for G.I. Joe product in a couple of years and maybe 10 years from now they can do it but right I, there's just no way they make it. It's going to be a story about the soldier and his robot. Cuz that's what the Transformers are going to be in this crossover. They're going to be the vehicles for the G.I. Joes, right? Obviously. Right? Not really. You don't think that's the no? Way I mean, that's not really it? what the comics were. I mean, oh. if you go back and try to do what the comics were, like, and then do you have Cobra aligning with the Decepticons? Uh, anyway, I, I just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> there's no. It's just the bottom line. Nobody will go see these movies. It's going to be like that thing of noodles that Michael Keaton put down in uh, the Flash. Oh yeah, like, here's the J.I. Joes. <laughs> here's the J.I. Joes. This is Decepticons. <laughs> now, if you bring in Beast, yeah. Anyway, all right. With that down, guys. Let's move on to this as well. Bundling. Bundling is, what's that? Bundaroos. Bundaroos. (laughs) Sorry, South Park, sorry. Bundling is something that a lot of people have been asking for for a long time when it comes to the major streaming services. People want to bundle, right? I mean, Disney kind of already does a little bit of a bundle with the streaming services they own, right? They right. That, Hulu and ESPN. You got Disney Plus, Hulu and ESPN. So they do a bundle on that. But what a lot of people are wondering, especially since one of the big topics of conversation surrounding streaming the last number of years has been, um, I'm spending more today on my streaming than I used to pay on my cable package. And streaming was supposed to be this utopia where we were going to spend so much less money than in these ridiculous cable bills. Well, guess what? Now, at least if you have the majority of the the, uh, streaming services, you're paying more than you did with your stuff. Actually, take a look at this. Bring up this graphic here of these. uh, No, the uh, the graphic that we're talking about. This graphic that uh, Ray put together for us, if you look at just several of the major uh, streaming services, right? This is just like nine of them. Peacock, 12 bucks. ESPN Plus, 10 bucks. Amazon Prime Video, 15 bucks. Paramount Plus, 7 bucks. Netflix, 15 bucks. Disney Plus, 10 bucks. Hulu, 15. TV, uh, Apple TV, 7 bucks a month. Max, 15. I mean, that gets real expensive real fast. And we don't even, yeah, we, like, look, you want to watch 1883? Well, you got to have Paramount. You want Stranger Things? Well, you're going to have to have Netflix. 
You want to watch House of the Dragon? Well, you're going to have to have HBO Max. You want to watch What We Do in the Shadows? Better have Hulu. You want to watch UFC? Like I do. Got to have ESPN+. Plus. You want to watch The Boys? Got to have Amazon. I got an idea, John. What's that? They should put them all together and then put it in the box. And then you set in a monthly fee and then guys come and put the box on your TV. And then, you know, you have regular channels and those streaming services. Oh, wait, you mean cable? (laughs) (laughs) If only there was a way that all of these services came into your house at once. This is going to make a complete circle again. (laughs) Now, again, let's look at that. Let's look at that again. So now, like I said, ESPN, Hulu, and Disney Plus. Again, if you add up these services right here, you're talking $25, $35, right? Now, ESPN, Disney Plus, and Hulu have a bundle package that, what did you say it was, Jonathan? Like, 15 bucks or something for the bundle? Yeah, I want to say it was like 16. I'm going to I'll look that up. Right. Now, that won't be the ad-free version of Hulu or or whatever. It'll be the the lower tiers of it, but there is a bundle there and it can save you as the consumer a lot of money. So what a lot of people have been asking for the last year's show is like, I wish they had a bundle where I could have say Netflix and Max and Disney Plus. For a reduced rate, right? Yeah, it's 20 with no ads, 13 20, with ads. 20 with no ads? Yeah. That's actually a freaking good deal. Yeah. 20 with no ads for That's almost three. half price. Mm-hmm. And uh, 13 with. So at any rate, a lot of people like me have said, though, you can't really see them do that because these companies aren't going to want a revenue share. Then they're going to have to figure out who gets paid what. But according to a report now that came out in Variety and also then followed up with IndieWire, we could start seeing a couple of these major players start to bundle. Uh, the IndieWire headline reads, David Zaslav, the head of Warner Brothers, may have just found a streaming bundle partner in Paramount+. Plus." Now, let me read a little bit of this article to give you this idea. Paramount+, Plus is still seeking a profit. You know what could maybe speed that up even more? Price hikes and subscriber growth? Other company streamers. While we're still in the thick of the streaming wars today, it may not be long before rivals team up to attract and retain subscribers. Start off with Max here. During an investor conference call in May, Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav said that he was open to the idea of bundling with another provider. Count Paramount Global boss Bob Backish, fresh off integrating his Showtime into a Paramount Plus. Um... The, guy, the head of Paramount said this, we've been believers in bundling for a long time. Bundling has been one of the tried and true methods of value creation in media. And certainly as we entered the streaming space, bundling is a part of our strategy, he said Monday. We're continuing to look uh, at incremental opportunities in this regard. And the only thing we know for sure is it will be a growing part of what we're doing. So what happened with Paramount Plus recently is they just integrated Showtime into what they're doing. Showtime was a separate service they used to be able to get, and now it's integrated. You can get this bundled deal with Paramount+. Plus. They like the idea of bundling. David Zaslav himself said recently, as quoted in this article, that they're open to the idea of bundling with other services as well. And guess what? With places like Max, Disney+, Plus, and others showing either stagnating growth or losing subscribers. The idea of bundling together with another provider may become more and more appealing to them 
at least according to places like Variety and IndieWire. Now, let's bring up that chart again of the uh, the prices of the various prices and the streaming service. So, imagine, <coughs> if you will, just theoretically speaking, let's say Paramount Plus, which, by the way, I finally started getting caught up on the new season of Star Trek Discovery. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. It's been amazing so far. I'm like three episodes in. It's fantastic. Anyway, so that's $7 for Paramount Plus. Max is 16 bucks. So together, that's 23 bucks. Okay. Well, well, what if you could get a bundle of having, we'll call it Paramax. Yeah. It, the Paramax bundle, right? I can get both for, say, $18 a month. Max amount. Max amount. <laughs> that's you. That, that's better than mine. That's good. Yeah. Max amount. What about Prime Cock? Yeah, that's fine. We're, we're talking about Paramount and yeah. Max oh, right max now. Max amount. Prime wait, You get the max go amount go. of content on Max amount. So if I were to have them individually, which I do right now, I'm paying 23 bucks a month. But if you put them together in a bundle and I can say pay 18 bucks a month, well, I'm saving five bucks a month. I'm saving 50, 60 bucks a year. That's my thing too, yeah. And you probably wouldn't have to worry about the ad. Like, you know, it'd roll into the non-ad. Or let's say, for example, uh, somehow, some way, they decided to offer a, a bundle of Hulu and Amazon video. Okay, I'm not. I, I don't think that one would work. But let's say they did. You're talking about thirty bucks for having those two individually, twenty-two dollars to get them for for both. Right. The benefit to Amazon and Hulu is your product becomes more appealing to more people now because they'll also have Hulu. You'll have increased subscribers. Like IndieWire said, you'll have more retention and you're making the consumers happy. And the consumers are saving like eight bucks a month on that. That's like almost $100 a year that they'd be saving. Or maybe a, let, let's go a maker one, okay? Let's, uh, another one, Let, let's say, Peacock and Apple, or Applecock, whatever they want to call it. Jeez. All right. Poppycock. All you hear about him, he got that Apple. <laughs> so, individually, you're spending 19 bucks a month on that. Okay. 14 bucks for that. Again, saving five bucks a month. The, the combinations and the possibilities here kind of become endless. And in now this phase of the streaming era, where a lot of these stream, first of all, all the streamers are realizing streaming was not the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They're all realizing that now. It did not turn out the way they thought. Some of them are losing subscribers. You offer the consumer a value? I think IndieWire and Variety are right. I think you're looking at more subscribers and more retention. Because if I wasn't already subscribed to all these places, I would be like, yeah, I'll get that for seven bucks a month cheaper. I'll get that for five bucks a month. I'll get that for a ten dollar a month value. You have Hulu. Does Hulu have live TV like Paramount Plus does? That's yes, one... but that's a much yeah. more expensive. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because Paramount Plus, that's and Showtime. They both had the live. Like you could see Peacock what's playing it. on the East Coast and West Coast. Well, they, like... they have live of their channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah which yeah, I yeah. thought was still okay. Hulu like... doesn't have a network. Oh, right. Doesn't but have a network. Peacock is the same Paramount... with MSNBC and NBC. Yeah, Paramount Plus has CBS and then like, you know, uh, uh, the Cartoon yeah. Network. But then and all you that get stuff. YouTube, right? You get YouTube TV right. that has basically all the television channels right. on it, right? Hulu does have a level where you can have Hulu and all cable channels, but that's like that's a, super expensive. That's like I another think. sixty dollars yeah, a month no, I, or something yeah, like that, like right? Seventy nine dollars or something like that. Um, so I don't like. Is Ray, this Barbenheimer? What's is that? This Barbenheimer. 
Yeah. Is this caused by Barbenheimer? Yeah, everything. I mean, maybe. Together. Together. <laughs> maybe Peacock and Max. Max Cock. Right? We you all call that one Max Cock. Desire. <laughs> Max Cock. We're the only place where you can watch Barbenheimer. Because, right, Universal. So, you know, Oppenheimer will be on Peacock. Uh, Max. I, I mean, you got Warner cock, Brothers. Then you got Barbie will be on HMAX. Okay. I think there's Cock Mount, too. Okay. Cock Mount? Yeah, because this could get confusing because Amazon... <laughs> Cock mount. <laughs> what? what is that? Is that, a t- is that a toy? No, because of these. No, I'm saying these two. Is that an accessory? To, no, uh, what are you saying? I don't know what you're talking about. It's these two right is that here. that the free gift with the bundle? <laughs> with Playboy TV, get free cock mount. Okay, back on to the topic at hand. Okay, okay. There's, there's, because I know there's a lot of people who don't really look at things and then they see their Prime. And you could get all these streaming services through Prime. There's a difference, right, between what? Oh yeah, to total, do. total different thing. Like you could be, you could be an Amazon Prime, <laughs> and then you can get like I think Max. You could get Apple, but TV, it's I think. you were paying full price right. for Max. You're just getting it through. It's your, just the, they're they're the hub. We're talking about really bundling these services together, and and maybe you can even create like mega ones. Like maybe you can not just two of them, but maybe like Disney. Netflix and Max get together and they call it like the ultimate combo where you can get like Disney plus HBO max and Netflix for like maybe 25 bucks and you're still saving money. You know where the bundle worked for me is because I was paying for Showtime and Paramount separately. Right. Showtime was seven 99, but after my trial it'd be 10 99 and then Paramount, I'm still on this four 99 plan. And then they offered it both of them to me for nine ninety nine, so it would lower the cost. And I was all all for that. Right, bring up the bring up the ch- price chart again, because even just for the the current existing Disney, ESPN, and Hulu, so combined that would be twenty five thirty five dollars. And you're saying with the ad free, is that the one you have, Jonathan? The ad free is twenty bucks a month. That's saving you like yeah. fifteen bucks a month on that bundle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I should great. cancel get- all of my subscriptions because I have Disney individually, ESPN oh, Plus yeah, individually. Yeah, yeah. I should cancel and just leave hey, it for that bundle. You, you know what's funny? Why I didn't get the Paramount Plus bundle? It's because I was like, I was too lazy to cancel the each one. Separate. <laughs> the I right. hate to say it, but you know, I tried to do it in my browser, and it said you need the desktop, and I was like, nah. I'll pay more. <laughs> yeah, if it weren't for me being a baseball fan, I was happy with just Hulu, Disney Plus. But I'm like, all right, they're they're specifically throwing some Dodgers games on only ESPN. So I'm like, all right, I'll do the bundle. It's a great deal. So uh, guys, question is for you: What do you think about this? Would you be inclined to get a few more streaming services if it meant they could you would have them bundled together and you could pay a little bit less per month? I think it's the next logical step for them to do. Who knows? Guys, question is for you. How do you feel about that? Jump on down to the comments and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we are now going to move on and start taking questions from our YouTube channel members. But before we do, we're going to take a quick moment here and thank another sponsor of today's episode, our friends and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before 
I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's get now over to our YouTube channel members' topics and questions they've been sending in. We get through as many as we can every day. Obviously, we don't have time to get through all of them, but get through as many as we can. So, Jonathan, what do we got up first? All right. Brazilian Dude uh, writes, do you think Iger is regretting his decision to return to Disney? You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain to Hollywood. Papa Iger daydreaming about sipping those cold pina coladas. If people are mad at Iger, imagine if Chapek was still running Disney during these strikes. The biggest problem is that, and I always, whenever a regime change happens at one of these studios, I always tell people, and everybody always forgets, you are not going to see the changes or differences for years. The same thing happened when Bob Chapek took over. I said, when Bob Chapek took over, I said, look, don't judge him, but don't judge Bob Chapek by what happens in the next few months. To really feel the effects of this leadership change, it's going to take a year, two years, maybe more. With Bob Iger coming back in, you know, I, I said the same thing. We're going to still be dealing with the damage and the fallout of what Chapek did for the next year, two years. It's going to take a while for things to get turned around. Same thing happened when James Gunn and Peter Safran took over DC, right? It's like, guys, remember the practical impact of what of James Gunn and Peter Safran, we aren't going to feel the impact for another two years. So, you know, Flash comes out and bombs. It's like, oh, James Gunn is off to a bad start. James Gunn had nothing to do with the creation of the Flash or the making of that movie. Same is true as Blue Beetle, but there are a bunch of people out there thinking this is a James Gunn movie because he's the head of DC now. But no, that movie was conceived of, written, shot, post-production, wrapped, and canned before James Gunn ever took over. Same thing with Aquaman. If Aquaman makes a billion dollars at the box office, guess what? James Gunn and Peter Safran don't get the credit for that because it, it, it was done before their time. We are literally talking about years before we practically see and feel the effects of their leadership changes. Right now, look, when Bob Iger agreed to come back to take over the reins at Disney, Bob Iger knew that there was more rough times ahead before things get better. And so I'm sure there are a lot of people who are looking at the rough position that they're in right now and saying, oh, well, Bob Iger didn't fix it. We wouldn't see the fixes for years. It's going to take a while and, and we'll see whether or not he's able to pull it off or if too much damage was simply done. The biggest mistake Bob Iger has ever made in his career was naming Bob Chapek as his successor. He's he's gonna he's got to deal with that. I mean, Bob Chapek did some things that Bob Iger never thought he would do, but still, Bob Iger is the one who handpicked him, so he's got to now clean up the mess. All right, what's next? Uh, from Alan, hi, Cambia crew. I saw the trailer for the second season of I Am Groot. I had no idea they were making a second season. I watched the first season; it was really cute and a lot of fun. Are all of you going to check it out? I am not. Um, I love Baby Groot. I watched a little bit of the first season, and I was just, this isn't for me. 
I don't, and I love the Groot character. I do. What I'm really impressed by was that nobody even knew they were making this thing. They yeah. just announced it. By the way, I am Groot season two coming out in about a week. It's like, what? Like, so how they managed to keep that all under wraps is really, really impressive. I'm not going to lie to you. I have no interest in it. I'm probably not going to see it at all. Either you guys like either watch the first season. I, of saw, I saw one or two of the vignettes of I'm Groot. And then I was like, oh, these are just kind of silly shorts. Yeah, and that's how me. I felt too. I, I didn't find yeah. it. What about you, Ray? Did you like well, As long as they put them where I could find them and they play all in a row, not like the first release where yeah. you found episode one and then you couldn't find episode two, but you oh, found I, episode yeah, I remember five. I had yeah. that problem at it first. didn't do it yeah. sequence. All the way through then, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's Groot. Come on. All right, what's next? All right. Uh, Crow Magnon. Uh, hey, crew, I've been obsessed with golf lately. What are some of your favorite golf movies? I am obsessed with wanting to learn how to golf. I'm not a golfer. The, 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 the extent of my golfing experience is going to top golf. Mm. Um, I, and the funny thing is I live on a golf course. Yeah. I literally live on a golf course and Ann and I talk all the time about, we should really go over and try to play yeah. some golf. And I never do. Okay. So favorite golf movie, I mean, I can probably only think of two off the top of my head. I can think of Caddyshack and I can think of Happy Gilmore. Oh, man. I didn't think of either of those. Caddyshack is great. Happy Gilmore is great. I like Legend I was, of Bagger Vance. I call it Legend of Baggy Pants. Legend of Bagger Pants, Pants yeah. is a good Yeah, that's another good one. With Shia LaBeouf. I call it Legend of Baggy Pants. Oh, yeah. I yeah, like yeah, that yeah, that Legend good. of Baggy Pants. What, wait, was There's there Tin even, Cup with uh, oh, Kevin with Costner. Oh, with Kevin Costner. Yeah. Tin Cup. Tin Cup wasn't was bad. Right. Yeah. That wasn't bad. I like Legend more than We're that. We're due for a great, intense for the All magnum American. opus golf movie golf movie with yeah. the drama the what blood the transformers and gi joe are playing golf that could be it that that's it that's the money maker main golf. villain turns into a golf club uh-huh. you got to swing them mini golf mini the last golf. time i went golfing was at los Feliz golf where they shot uh, that swinger scene where they're golfing hit it bounced off a tree Went about an inch behind a runner's head. Oh, I've no. never swung a club again. <laughs> you know what? If you've never gone to Top Golf, I, I still want to. It's just too hot right now. It's Top Golf is a lot of fun. Yeah, you can see it off the freeway. It's huge. Yeah, like we've got net. one. We got one out here. They got one in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I it's a lot. Yep. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of good. They have you bring out food to you. It's the electronic scoring. It's really really fun. All right. What's next? All right, Red One, Real Talk. John, have you decided if you'll give The Witcher another chance or are you officially tapped out? I thought this season had promise, but the second half just fell flat on its face. Wish Henry could have had better material for his send-off in this role. So he's talking about with the recasting? No, 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 with um, <laughs> yeah, the, season three. That's out season. now. Yeah, but I mean the one coming up will be recasted. Yeah, that, yeah. that's going to be Liam Hemsworth, if they even make it. Oh, uh, yeah. But... You didn't sell John on this one. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. It's not that good, John. Are you going to watch it? <laughs> yeah. I I love the first two seasons of The Witcher. And I sat down to watch the you know the first part of season three. And I got about two episodes in and I did not feel any desire to watch anymore. And it's just, it, it's, something's missing. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm tapped out. I think when I look back on The Witcher, I will just think of it as a two-season series, and I'll love it. But, I mean, nothing about it was making me feel hooked in or wanting to keep watching, and I haven't heard 
And I can have my mind changed on that. Like when Legion came out, I didn't like the first few episodes. Then tons of people, including John Schnepp, told me by the time it was ending, it was like, no, you got to get, trust me, it gets much better. You got to get back on it. And then I got back on Legion. I ended up really liking the first season. So I kind of tapped out of The Witcher this season and I haven't heard anybody tell me I should get back on it. Like it's just been more people like this saying, yeah, season three is kind of let down. So you know what? I, I think I am officially tapped out. I, I don't think I'm going to go back to it, especially when I got so much other stuff that I, I even, I haven't started watching Lioness yet with Zoe Saldana and everybody's telling me that's crazy good. I haven't started watching Hijack yet mm -hmm. and everybody's telling me that's really good. So why would I waste my time continuing to watch something that I'm not really happy with anymore? All right, what's next? All right, we got J.K. Uh, Al Alzabar writes, Hello, crew. Right now, the Mario Super Mario movie has the same box office as Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows Part 2, which is the highest grossing WB film ever at $1.3 uh, billion. So if Barbie surpasses Mario as the highest grossing movie 2023, it will also be the biggest movie in Warner Brothers history. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess that it would. I didn't even think about that. That, you know, because you don't really think of 1.3 being the biggest in a certain studio's history, but, you know, it, Disney's got all the two billion. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think every single movie, let me bring this up. I believe every single movie in the very exclusive $2 billion club, I believe no way home are Disney there. movies. Yeah. No Way Home, if you count that as Disney, is up there. Well, you know what? No Way Home would be, would, it would be a Sony. Uh, would be a Sony movie. Yep, that's a Sony. So you've got in the top five are all Disney films. <laughs> Avatar, Avengers Endgame, Avatar The Way of Water, Man. Titanic, which which was a Fox movie, but now it's owned by Disney, and Star Wars Episode Five: The Force Awakens, the entire $2 billion wow, club. Fox, it's yeah. like... Belongs it's, to Disney. It's like yeah. when that person owns that Monopoly Street, that last one with puts all the houses. Well, that's yeah. what Disney is. Oh, sorry, I forgot. There's six films in the $2 billion club. Avengers Infinity War, still another Disney film. So every member of the $2 billion club <laughs> is a Disney film. You then you get Spider-Man No Way Home at 1.9, but that's Sony. Jurassic World is Universal. Lion King is Disney. Avengers is Disney. Furious 7 is Universal. Top Gun Maverick is Paramount. Frozen 2 is Disney, Age of Ultron, Disney, Super Mario Brothers. There you go. The number one movie in the Warner Brothers history is 1.35. So, yes, you're right. If Barbie crosses that mark, it will now become the single biggest WB movie of all time. So wow. uh, let's see if we can get there. All right. What's next? All right. Um, we just did that one. So uh, Patrick Reese writes, is there a movie you rewatched? Uh, and had changed your mind on a character or theme. I just rewatched one of my favorites, 500 Days of Summer. Changed my mind completely on the main character now that I'm older and more mature, I think. I don't think so. I mean, I've had, there have been a couple out of the thousands of movies I've seen. There have been four or five that I've changed my mind about the movie as a whole. Inglorious Bastards, for example. I hated Inglorious Bastards the first time I see I saw it. Now it's like my number two favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. I can't explain why I hated it the first time I saw it, but I absolutely love it now. That's my number one, um, Tarantino. Yeah, it's only behind for me. It, the only thing that's behind for me is Django. Mm. I think Django's my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Anyway. My, can I say mine too? Yeah. <laughs> mine wasn't a movie, but every time I watch this show over and over again, The Office, uh -huh. the more I watch it, the more I realize 
Jim is the worst person ever. <laughs> Wait, tell me, he's great. He moved in on Pam behind under Roy's nose like so smoothly. I'm like, you little piece of. And Roy then always was, picking Roy on Dwight. Her. Come on, Dwight was just trying to work. Come on, Jim. Always well, Dwight to get him always gave him a very hard time yeah. though because he wasn't working. No, he, Jim worked. He had he had. He sales. was one of the best. Sales. We're not going to get sidetracked into an office discussion. And what was the, even the question about? Uh, oh, movies, movies about that change. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I can't think of characters in movies that I've that I've changed my mind about. I TV mean, shows, yeah, but not. You movies. know what? I, no, I'll, I'll 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 take that back. Just recently, my second viewing of Barbie, I realized that Barbie is the villain of the film. Mm. Um, and, and so, that, but that's still love the movie. Second yeah, time, Top Gun, Goose gotta go. I thought Goose gotta, gotta go. go. <laughs> Man, that guy dark. That got dark fast. Goose has got to go. He holding you back. All right, what's next? Matt says hello. Says, uh, uh, hey, John and Filthy crew. I'm looking forward to the Ahsoka show, but I've never seen uh, Rebels. Uh, am I going to understand what's happening or will it log over my head? I haven't seen Ahsoka, so I can't answer that question. Yeah, I mean, you might want I have to watch no idea. Rebels. I'm not gonna, I haven't watched the Rebels, so I'm still excited for it, too. We'll oh, see. you're going to have to watch Rebels. No, come on. It's this great. live action. It's great. I know some of the characters, though, but I don't. You know really should watch Rebels. Yeah, I, I really should. I watched all the Darth Maul episodes. I someone put a cut of just all every. Yeah, single... those aren't the best moments. Well, the... who cares? I I I, I want to be happy. I watch my Darth Maul episodes. Yeah, if but I don't get. Any, I don't. I don't. If I don't you, have any context. I don't get it because you love animation. Like Rebels is one of the best Star Wars really? animated. Series. I think it's the best animated yeah. Star Wars thing they've ever done. When is people Rebels. say that in Game of Thrones, I just look at how many seasons. I'm like, can I sit down and? There's watch only like three, se- three or yeah. four seasons. What? I thought yeah, it's there were not like that five. Many. Oh, that was Clone Wars. Yeah, you might be thinking Clone Wars. There was like eight or nine. Nah, you don't have to worry about like Clone that. Wars. Yeah, but... Dude, Rebels only like three or four oh, seasons. Darth and it's not the in Rebels. Yeah, no. Actually. Darth he Maul is. does appear in Rebels. In Rebels, and he's great. You are so you thinking of the Clone it. Wars stuff that Darth Maul was in, but Darth Maul also appears in oh. Rebels. Oh, yeah. It's. Yeah. It, I still remember when Rebels debuted. I see. I and again, I'm one of those few people that I'm not a fan of Clone Wars. So when Rebels debuted, I sat down a little skeptical, but Anne and I sat down. I think they debuted the first two episodes at the same time. And we watched him and I remember, I think I called Harloff. I think I got on the phone and I called Harloff soon as I was done. And I said, this is the first thing in a while that watching it truly made me feel like I was watching Star Wars. Clone Wars never did that for me. But the first episode or two of Rebels, I'm like, I felt like I was in the world of Star Wars again, and, what, and I and I loved it. Was it the introduction of all these characters? Yeah, Rebels? yeah. So we've never, or Star Wars fans, would except have never... for Ahsoka herself. Ahsoka right, right. got introduced in Clone Wars. So maybe so that what... helped it too, because it was new. You get to start off fresh, and you, you, Clone Wars was just an extension of what was going on. Yeah, with the other stuff. Yeah, right? Rebels is kind of the series that leads into the first up into the first Star Wars movie. Okay. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. All right, what's next? All right, uh, it's the bat. A24 has already announced a sequel to Talk to Me titled Talk to Me. Uh, I, hi- I hi- almost felt like it's a joke. I highly recommend checking the, uh, out this movie. It's actually really good. 95%. Right before we started, I actually got in my uh, uh, the the PR of the studio sent it out, and I got the notification that they're doing a sequel to Talk to Me. 
I listen, I've been interested in this movie. I really like the trailer. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I've had I've heard nothing but good things. And again, to me, the trailer looks legit creepy, very creative. So I'm going to check it out. I just haven't had a chance to do it yet. All right, what's next? All right, Woodcut Art writes, uh, good on the Marvel VFX artists unionized. Back when I was working the post-production industry years ago, I remember sleeping underneath my computer while it renders. Deadlines are tight, and we could have... We couldn't go home for the week. The midnight snack was cup ramen noodles. Listen, true story. I remember when I was true working story. at the visual effects company, we were a very small visual effects company, but we we started, we were in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, small visual effects company. Like there were four of us and we were starting to get some real work from Hollywood studios, right? And I think I could be wrong, but I think it was when we were working on Sin City. I think it was Sin City that we were working on. We we did a couple of VFX shots in that movie. And it was literally, we had a cot in the office where we could, people could crash, get up. Um, I mean, I was more of a client services guy, but things were so tight. We had also got the contract to do a commercial for SaskTel, which is the, the phone company out there. This is back when everybody still had landlines, but SaskTel, and we had a, contract to do a 30 second commercial. And even though I was a client services guy, I was not a visual effects artist. I did the commercial. <laughs> like I made the commercial, uh, which was really, because we were working on this movie and it'll be like at 2 AM every th like three hours ago, we had to do a seven 11 run to go get the Slurpees. And it was all Slurpees, Doritos and Costco <laughs> hot dogs. Cause Costco was also only right. a few miles away. We go to Costco, get the $1 and 50 cent Get a drink, large drink, and a large hot dog sausage for buck fifty, and that's all it was all the time. All right, what's next? Uh, Carmel writes, uh, John. I was finally able to book Oppenheimer at the Von Cineplex. There's only two seventy millimeter IMAX theaters playing, and the other one is all the way in Mississauga. Uh, they're all booked up in theaters. Well, what's interesting is that I just got a report that they are actually IMAX is extending the run of. Uh, Oppenheimer at 70 millimeter IMAX. So I, there are yeah. so few of them out there. I, I was able to see it in 70 millimeter, um, but it wasn't in the IMAX number one screen. It was at it was just one of their big theaters at IMAX or at AMC 16 in Burbank. So it's the very wide screen version. Well, they don't have a 70 millimeter at the AMC Burbank 16. Yeah, it, well, they had they they converted it to the one that's in the Okay, back. so it wasn't the true 70 millimeter That's experience. digital. So if you do yeah. IMAX digital, it's the big IMAX screen in the front of the theater. But I did the 70, 70 millimeter. Now, I will say, I, I didn't, perp I didn't, I wasn't like, I didn't, 70 millimeter was what was available. Uh, a lot of people are going to go in there and be like, oh, what are these little pops and flicks? Well, that's film. So it goes back to the old days of watching film movies with the little, the little you know film like uh, imperfections in huh. there. You know, I, I could did see not realize flickers. that. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, David writes, which director would you say won the 2010s? I would say for me it was between Villeneuve and Nolan. Uh, weird. There's no Oscar between them. I would say Nolan. I. I, I, I'm not a movie dates guy. I would, I would literally have to sit down with a full list of all the movies that came out in the 2010s and figure it out. I, so I, un, unfortunately I can't answer that off the top of my head. I mean, every era is dominated by Spielberg period. But I mean, without a list of the dates and the movies themselves, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. All right. What's next? Fanjecture writes yesterday, my wife and I welcomed our beautiful daughter. And oh, congratulations. Yeah. Another movie fan has been born. Thanks for the entertainment while they sleep. 
Oh, dude, congratulations to yeah, Fanjecture. Yeah. Fanjecture has been a very long time yes, viewer of ours. Um, and congratulations on that. That is awesome news. We hope all the best for your new little film fans. So that is absolutely incredible. Congrats, man. All right. Let's take one more. All right. This is one I've been wanting to check out. CJ Rebirth. I've been uh, enjoying the Twisted Metal show so far on Peacock. It's like Death Race mixed with Book of Eli and Deadpool vibes. Huh. Uh, Anthony Mackie's great, as well as Nev Campbell, Thomas Church, Thomas Hayden Church, and uh, Stephanie Beatrice. Uh, and Samoa Joe. Don't forget Samoa, Samoa Joe's yeah. in there. Boom, boom, boom. But you know what's funny? You don't see a lot of Nev boom. Campbell. A lot of him. Like outside of Scream. Like I remember when Nev Campbell popped up in that, what was the Dwayne Johnson movie? Was it called Skyscraper? Or Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Was Sky, the actual name of the movie Skyscraper? Skyscraper? Yeah. And she popped up as his wife. She's like, I realize you don't see her a lot anymore. So when I saw her pop up in the previews of this, I'll be honest with you. Even though I really, really like Anthony Mackie, Nothing about Twisted Metal kind of appealed to me, so I wasn't going to watch it. But everybody's saying really good things about it. It sounds good. It sounds it's like on Peacock, right? Yeah, and I didn't realize that Thomas Hayden Church was in it, but sure enough. I yeah, you know, know I only know that because there was a recent interview with him in right. one of the uh, in one of the uh, trades right. that I follow. And I love Thomas Hayden Church yeah. ever since Wings. Yeah, Going that back goes to back, Wings. but yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, one of the most brilliant movies... Ever. Sideways. Sideways. I love Sideways. Him and Paul Giamatti in Sideways? Yeah. Oh, my God. That movie's so good. Um, all right, guys. That'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members for, number one, being YouTube channel members and supporting what we do here, but also for sending in those topics and questions for us to discuss. Uh, hey, listen, guys. If you are checking out this show on YouTube we also primarily make this show as a podcast. So make sure you go and subscribe to our podcast feed, either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just search for the John Campus Show podcast. So that way, the next time that you're commuting, you're in the office, you're at the gym, you're out for a run, whatever, you've got the podcast there and it is there when you need it. All right, I want to thank the guys in the room with me, Ray Ora. See you later. Jonathan Voico. See ya. Uh, don't forget, we, as well as uh, Robert Meyer Burnett, will be in here tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you then. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.